there, I'm Raji Sohal. This podcast is an abbreviated version of my Sunday show. Here's what we have in store for you. Canada's ambassador to the United Nations, the Honorable Bob Ray, joined us from New York City. A local Ukrainian man tells us how his family is doing over there and what the community in Vancouver wants from the Canadian government next. But first, let's find out what role diplomacy can even have at this point in the invasion of Ukraine. As Russia continues its unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, things have unfolded extremely fast and continue to. About 20 minutes ago, uh, it was announced, uh, BBC News, uh, that was that Putin has put Russia's strategic nuclear force on special alert, uh, ordering the Russian military to put its nuclear force on special alert. That's the highest level of alert for Russia's strategic missile forces. And speaking to top military officials, Uh, He said Western nations had taken unfriendly actions towards Russia and imposed illegitimate sanctions. Joining me on the line now is Professor of International Security at the University of Birmingham, Dr. Stefan Wolf. Hello, welcome to the show, Stefan. Hello and good morning to Canada. You write about uh, peace and diplomacy at the current stage of Russia's war with Ukraine. What role does diplomacy even have? Well, at the moment, I think it's very difficult uh, to see um, much room for diplomatic negotiations. Um, There have already been attempts to um, get some talks uh, started between uh, Ukraine and Russia over the past uh, two days. Several countries have offered um, mediation, um, Turkey, Israel, uh, Azerbaijan among them. But right now, we are facing an unprecedented uh, situation in uh, European security where one country has, as you uh, rightly said, uh, attacked without any provocation uh, another country and completely ripped up uh, the existing European and international security order. So I think before we can uh, really think about um, uh, diplomacy um, in the traditional uh, sense, what needs to happen is uh, uh, Russia needs to stop uh, its aggression uh, against Ukraine. There needs to be a ceasefire. And I think Only on that basis uh, would it be reasonable then to expect uh, diplomacy to take hold again. And is a ceasefire very likely at this point? Well, it doesn't look like it. Um, The, um, I mean, Russia has um, uh, carried out further airstrikes uh, um, overnight uh, against several targets um, in Ukraine. There now appears to have been uh, quite uh, significant levels of uh, urban combat um, as well in uh, cities like Kharkiv, uh, for example. Uh, Kiev in itself is still um, under significant threat uh, from uh, Russian forces. And there have been suggestions that uh, Belarus now might also officially join Russia's uh, invasion, uh, given that uh, apparently um, Belarusian um, paratroopers have been put on on high alert and might join uh, the front against Ukraine. So I think from from that perspective, it's it's hard to see how Russia would be prepared at the moment to really consider um, any serious ceasefire uh, negotiations. Um, At the same time, I I think that sooner or later, uh, the Russian offensive will ground uh, to a halt given both the significant resistance that Ukrainians um, have put up, um, but also the fact that um, Western states uh, are now more committed than ever to help Ukraine with uh, military uh, equipment, with weapons, with uh, with ammunition to sustain the Ukrainian defense effort. 
Stefan, what role does China play in all of this? I think that's going to be a really interesting question uh, to see. Um, I mean, China has clearly over the past couple of months uh, followed a, um, a dual strategy, if you want. Uh, on the one hand, um, they have uh, clearly indicated that they are sympathetic uh, to Russia's much broader challenge uh, to the international order uh, beyond uh, Ukraine. Uh, like Russia, China uh, does not think that uh, the current international system, which is very uh, US-centric, uh, does full justice uh, to the actual configuration of, uh, of great powers uh, at the moment, where we have alongside the US, uh, certainly China and uh, arguably also Russia as, uh, as a great power. But at the same time, and I think this is what gives me some hope uh, about uh, the Chinese uh, stance in all of this, is that uh, China has continuously argued uh, for the respect of international law, including uh, specifically sovereignty and territorial integrity. Um, that was um, mentioned um, very publicly um, by uh, China, both uh, when its foreign minister spoke at the Munich Security Conference uh, last weekend, but also in the most recent debate uh, before the UN Security Council, um, where China once again uh, urged both sides, um, Russia and Ukraine, uh, to resolve their differences um, diplomatically by peaceful means and reiterated uh, its long-standing commitment uh, to respecting international law, including uh, sovereignty and territorial integrity. Last question here, uh, just quickly. We are seeing hefty sanctions being put in place, uh, with Germany being the final holdout on expelling Russia from from SWIFT, instead choosing to do a very selective uh, sanction there. Uh, What are your thoughts on Germany's role? I think Germany this morning uh, has uh, uh, surprised uh, uh, everybody uh, with the uh, press conference that the federal chancellor, uh, Olaf Scholz, uh, uh, gave Uh, in which he clearly indicated that uh, uh, not only would uh, uh, Germany now supply um, um, defensive uh, uh, lethal equipment uh, uh, to Ukraine, uh, Germany would, with immediate effect, um, enhance its own uh, uh, defense uh, budget um, and was very clear uh, that uh, it would also support uh, the banning of uh, Russia from the uh, SWIFT international financial system. So I think in in this sense... uh, Germany really has almost fundamentally uh, changed its position on some of the key uh, issues for which it was uh, criticized over the past uh, couple of weeks. And Germany, of course, being in a tricky position because of how reliant it is on Russia's oil. Well, I think it's it's partly that, but also I I think we shouldn't underestimate uh, the um, sort of strong conviction uh, uh, in Germany that, um, first of all, diplomacy is always a better way uh, of resolving crises uh, than military force. And of course, a um, very difficult uh, uh, German legacy in uh, Central and Eastern uh, Europe, uh, where it still, I think, is is quite difficult uh, for um, Germans to think about uh, the use of German weapons. against uh, Russia. Now, obviously, the context here is a uh, is a different one. Yeah. It's a very uh, complex one. Uh, but, but nonetheless, I think that this still weighs um, quite heavily on uh, many Germans' mind. Okay. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Dr. Stefan Wolf. 
Good morning and welcome back to The Sunday Show. I'm Raji Sohal. Well, the invasion of Ukraine by the Russians affects people everywhere, especially Ukrainians here in Metro Vancouver. And joining us is Eugene Lupenis, a board member of the Ivan Franco Ukrainian Center in Richmond. Good morning, Eugene. Good morning, Raji. Oh, my goodness. Where shall we start? How are you feeling today? Um, I, I'm still in shock and disbelief that in the 21st century something like this could be happening. I'm worried uh, for our family, friends, and our cultural homeland, Ukraine. And over the last couple of days, I've simply become angry. I've become angry at Vladimir Putin. Um, I've been, I've become angry, less angry at sort of the lack of strong response from the West. Um, do you still but, um, feel that way that the the West has not responded enough? I do, I do. Uh, again, don't get me wrong. I think the the response the West has provided thus far um, has been good, but it's not enough of a deterrent. Um, the response has been slow. Uh, the sanctions, uh, the sanctions that have been put on by the West, uh, are long term are long term pain for Putin and the oligarchs. In my opinion, what needs to be done there is, as opposed to sanction, sanctioning them, uh, their assets in the West need to be seized, sold, and those funds given to Ukraine in order to fight Russia with its own money. Um, the announcement of, of, of SWIFT being uh, cancelled for some banks in Russia is, is positive, but needs to go farther. It needs to go all banks need to be... Uh, to be affected by SWIFT. Um, there just needs to be a harder line, in my opinion. Uh, right now, missiles are being launched into Ukraine from Belarus, and uh, we are watching as Russia releases propaganda, just this total parallel reality on Russia's state TV, and yet Russians there on the ground, uh, many of them are protesting they're protesting the invasion. What at this point would you like to see from international uh, powers when this threat of uh, Putin escalating violence against uh, Ukraine is, is ever present? I think first and foremost, um, Ukrainian airspace needs to be declared a no-fly zone, meaning that NATO or other nations could come in and help keep the air the airspace above Ukraine clear uh, which would help Ukraine um, Ukraine needs substantial more military might and and I understand that the West uh, is not able to put boots on the ground uh, but we need military hardware we need missiles to help repel uh, the armaments that are coming in from Russia we need defensive missiles and we need offensive as well Eugene, what are your current ties to Ukraine? Do you have any family there still? The majority of our family are still in Ukraine. Uh, my parents emigrated to Canada in the 50s. Um, our family is safe at this point. Um, they are in the western part of Ukraine, uh, but they're concerned, of course. And what are you hearing from them? Um, that Ukrainians have a strong resolve. Um, they, our family has decided they are not going to leave. Uh, they are battening down the hatches. They are um, building up on supplies. They are helping neighbors, helping 
community members, uh, they are ready to take up arms should need be. Uh, but the the good thing for us at this point in time is that they are safe. And here in Vancouver, what is your community doing to stay informed? Of course, we're um, we're all watching uh, the news on a twenty four hour basis. Uh, but the community got together yesterday. The the not just the Ukrainian community, but the Lower Mainland community got together at a protest and a rally of support at the art gallery. We were over five thousand strong. Uh, flags, not just from Ukraine, were waving, but from all nations in Europe. Uh, there was government support um, providing support at the rally, as well as representative from the numerous embassies that are, are here in Vancouver. Uh, it was a, a strong and powerful show of support. Uh, yeah, you're talking about uh, downtown uh, outside of the Vancouver Art Gallery, is that right? Correct. Sorry. Yeah, it was outside of the art gallery yesterday. And and for you, what did that um, what did that do for you to see that that show of support? It provided me some comfort, um, knowing that I knew full well that our Ukrainian community was was strongly in support of of, of Ukraine. But seeing the flags of the other nation, uh, having people approach me asking me. Uh, how to say glory to Ukraine in Ukrainian, uh, so they could feel part of the rally. Um, and it's, you know, multi-ethnic individuals there. It, it really showed that the that the globe is coming together in support of our cultural homeland. What do you want to see right now happen from the Canadian government? Continued support, um, Military support, if they can provide, as I said, arms. Um, I saw this morning that they have closed the closed Canadian airspace to Russian air fly, air, airplanes. I'd like them to ensure that none of the Canadian airlines are flying into Russia, or Belarus for that matter. Um, humanitarian aid, and to continue to be a voice on the world stage, um, supporting Ukraine and and ensuring that Ukraine be it a week from now, a month from now, or a year from now, stands free. Eugene, you had mentioned earlier that you were shocked at, at this happening, everything that's happening, unfolding right now in Ukraine, and yet Ukraine has been here before. It has. Um, I, I was shocked that it actually happened. Uh, back in 2014, when Russia invaded Crimea and eastern Ukraine, um, as a community, we had a foreboding thought that this was going to happen at some point in time. Um, Ukraine hasn't been at peace for the last eight years, but you're always hoping for the best. And when when the troops started to amass on the Ukrainian borders, there was concern. Um, but even then, we thought, let's hope that this is just some saber-rattling. Um but when the tanks started crossing the border, when the when the shells started coming into Ukraine, uh, we knew that an evil tyrant had had decided to to just attack our country. I'm glad to hear that your family is safe in the West. Uh, you must be beside yourself watching everything and, and worrying about them, and yet uh, Ukrainians have shown themselves to be uh, very strong 
on the ground, um, catching Russians or catching Russia rather off guard. What is your hope for the Ukrainian people in these coming days? I hope for strength, and I hope that they continue to resist. Um, continue to resist this invasion. Uh, I hope that the the number of casualties and fatalities on the Ukrainian on the Ukrainian side of this are minimal, and that they continue to repel uh, this force that's that's crossed the border. Um, I don't I don't want to see death. But the Ukrainians need to do, need to have lethal force in order to repel this government, or repel not this government, but this this force that's crossed us. And I think the resistance that the Ukrainian people have put forth so far has taken Russia by surprise. What's next for the Ukrainian community in Vancouver? Are you planning anything? There are daily daily rallies. Um, they're they're a little bit more. Uh, off the cuff uh, at the Vancouver Art Gallery, normally between noon and 1 p.m. There will likely be another strong rally of support coming next week, uh, but that's still in the planning stages at this time. Um, And we, you know, we'll continue to continue to support ourselves and gather when and where we can. Okay, let's stay in touch over that and, and we can keep our listeners informed on that too. Thank you so much for being with me this morning, Eugene. Well, thank you very much, and, and, and thank you for your support. Well, joining me on the line now is the Honourable Bob Ray, the Canadian Ambassador to the United Nations. He's my guest. Um, good morning, Ambassador. Morning. How are you today? Oh, you know, about as good as any of us can be this morning. How about you? Yeah, we're doing, doing fine, working hard. Uh, we sort of we we're going twenty four seven here in New York, so it's uh, it's it's glad to be able to talk to people about what uh, what's up. Yeah, and and what has been going through your mind in the past twenty four hours as you watch uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine? I think, like everybody, I've been uh, overwhelmed by the uh, courage and resilience and uh, of the Ukrainian people and the leadership of uh, President Zelensky, which I think has been just so outstanding uh and uh, how we've seen uh, the a real rallying i think of opinion of feeling of sentiment but also of action on the part of western governments uh, much greater willingness to step up than we'd seen before and i think it's uh, it's uh, it's making a remarkable difference we'll see what happens it's still a very tragic situation when a country the size of Russia and the power of Russia uh, invades a much smaller country, uh, but I think we're we're all recognizing the uh, how how much uh, difference uh, determination can make in uh, in changing the dynamics of a situation. Ambassador, what do you think of Canada and other international leaders' action to this point? Well, I think we've uh, brought about uh, the most significant agreed economic sanctions uh, in living memory. Uh, We've never really seen anything uh, as substantive as this coming together as quickly as it has. Um, uh, I know that sometimes people say that, you know, there's more to be done. You say, of course, there's more to be done. But the fact is we we're basically uh, succeeding in isolating the entire Russian economy uh, and its banking system and its central bank. So I think the people of Russia 
are feeling now, and they will feel even more intensely what the consequences of these actions are going to be for them. Um, And I think this will increasingly lead a number of people in positions of leadership in Russia to question the rationality of President Putin's uh, approach. What more can the West do when the threat of nuclear warfare lingers? Just this morning alone, uh, President Putin has says he's moving Russia's nuclear deterrent to special alert. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't think anyone should, should dismiss that lightly, but I also don't think we should take it as anything other than the, the actions of a, of a desperate uh, and irrational uh, despot. Um, and I think that's what I, I keep emphasizing. I think there are people inside Russia, inside the Russian political system, the military system, the economic in- system, who have to understand more and more, and I think who do understand uh, that this is this is a terrible path for Russia to be going down, and uh, they need to un- they need to do whatever they can to uh, to bring the leadership of the country to its uh, to its senses. I also think it's very important for us not to be completely intimidated by these kinds of threats. Um, this this just this is this these are the actions of a bully, and uh, you never just get intimidated by a bully you, you, you we all have some tough uh, decisions to make as we go forward but uh, i i don't think we should allow president putin to to dictate our own course of action you tweeted your support for president Zelensky. what is his leadership style doing for the ukrainian people and if you will what does it mean for putin well, I think there's such a dramatic contrast between the two. President Zelensky is approachable. He's he's uh, suffering through the same things as his people. He's uh, uh, leading with eloquence, but even more important, he's leading. He's leading by example. Uh, Putin is a is a a despot who's stolen billions from his people and uh, from the world economy. Uh, who, when he's not living in the Kremlin, is living on a yacht somewhere. He has nothing to do with the fate of the Russian people. Um, I can't imagine a stronger contrast between the two the two men. You also tweeted uh, that Putin is a war criminal. What did you mean by that? Well, we do have rules about war. Uh, we do have laws about uh, international humanitarian uh, protection. We do have um, a criminal court in The Hague. We do have an international court of justice in The Hague. Uh, I I believe that um, Vladimir Putin uh, must be judged by the standards of international law, and by those standards, by the ag- aggressive war which he's carried out, by the direct act of aggression without provocation. Uh, by the deaths of civilians that he's causing, um, by the way in which he's exercising threats, even today, uh, exercising threats with respect to the possibility of nuclear war. Uh, I, I think he's what he's doing is 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 clearly a war crime, a crime against humanity. I, I mean, I, I I think he's guilty of the most serious ones. We we put people in the dock in Nuremberg 
um, for the kinds of activities that Vladimir Putin is engaging in. I know it's not uh, time for us to all get into a history lesson about what we should have done, but now that hefty sanctions are coming through, do you expect to see them work? I think they're working. Uh, I mean, if you just look at what is happening to the Russian economy, what's happening to the Russian stock market, uh, what will happen on Monday morning in the Russian banking system when uh, when these uh, measures begin to take uh, full effect, uh, uh, you look at what's happening with uh, uh, food prices and gas prices in Russia. I know that Canadians are troubled by inflation, but what the Russian people are about to experience is uh, nothing compared to that. Uh, you know, so it, we really, we really need to understand uh, how how uh, serious uh, the situation is going to be for the Russian people. Um, and and not just the, not just working families, but but the wealthiest of Russian people as as well. So there's a lot of ways in which this changes the dynamic in Russian public opinion. We're already seeing tens of thousands of Russians on the streets uh, protesting against the invasion of Ukraine. Um, the Russian people um, have suffered a great deal under dictatorship and under the abuse of power by. So many of their leaders, um, they face so much hardship. I don't think there's any desire on the part of most Russians to get into this kind of conflict. None whatsoever. We've been hearing cries from around the world to to increase pressure. We're seeing uh, banning Russia from SWIFT, uh, call, all these calls to close the sky, uh, finally to send NATO troops. But Putin has mentioned that specifically, that that uh, kind of interference uh would not be welcome. Are the world leaders' hands tied when it comes to sending armed forces? Well, in answer to your direct question, is you know, are leaders' hands tied? The leaders' uh, positions are uh, are self-imposed. I mean, we we have said that we would we want to take further measures um, on the economic side, further measures supplying necessary equipment and arms to Ukraine. Uh, in order to uh, uh, allow them to resist uh, Russian aggression. Uh, and I think that's that's been the, the right approach for us to take. I think we what we do, we do in a measured way, and we don't do in a provocative way. We do it in a measured way. But I think all of us um, uh, are looking hard, long and hard, at, uh, at the costs and consequences of uh, of of uh, someone like President Zelensky um, not being able to uh, to rally his people, so we we are doing we're watching that situation very closely together with um, all of our NATO partners and other partners. Um, but I, I do think that there's a lot of a lot of things that um, can happen that will lead people to come to their senses. Um, uh, but I, I think it's uh, it's important for us to. To stay solidly together and to be as effective as we can in resisting uh, Russian aggression in the ways are, that are the least likely uh, to lead to an even deeper world uh, crisis, which all of us are trying to avoid. Ambassador, the Ukrainians seem to be holding their ground pretty well despite the immense challenges and they are uh, managing to provide essential services to people who need them. It's an impossible question, but... 
what will be the outcome for them? Well, I, I, I think you're right when you say that um, no one, well, I shouldn't say no one, but very few people predicted that the Ukrainian people would be able to resist as strongly as they have uh, Russian aggression. Uh, but the worry, obviously, always is, is that uh, the Russians may may decide to do even more, um, and that you know could will have terrible humanitarian consequences in terms of loss of life and and uh, and so on. And that's that's really what we're all trying to uh, trying to persuade uh, through a whole variety of very tough measures. Uh, President Putin, that the path he is on is is a path to nowhere. Uh, it's just going to be a path to, to oblivion, and it's never too late to, to to turn back. It's never too late to to, to look for a negotiated uh, settlement uh, that would allow the Ukrainian people to return to to democratic life and to their full sovereignty and within uh, territories that are that are universally recognized. And that, I think, is is the objective. Uh, and we have to keep our eye on that objective. And uh, that's the goal that we've had from the outset, is to protect Ukraine's territorial integrity and to protect their democracy. And we're going to continue to do that as Canadians, but we're not alone as Canadians. We're working in concert with the Americans, with the Brits, with the Europeans, uh, and with the global community. Uh, and I think that's that's something that, that is forcing President Putin to, to think again. That's the Honourable Bob Ray. Ambassador, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It's good to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the Weekend Mornings with Raji Sohal podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to the show live on 980 CKNW from 6 to 9 a.m. every Sunday. Have a great week.